Good morning, church. How are we? Great. (laughs) That was good. Um, Hey, before we get into the message, I wanted to just highlight a little bit. Uh, We sent out a newsletter this morning, and and in that newsletter, there are a few things I want to draw your attention to. Easter's coming up. It's around the corner. We're doing a Good Friday service. We're doing Easter celebration. And on Easter morning, we are going to uh, do baptisms. So, if you have not taken that step yet in your faith, uh, I want to encourage you, uh, sign up today. You can go to our website, renew.church, the hub, and you can fill out the form there, newsletters on social media, uh, and most likely in your email box if we have your email. Uh, uh, the other two things are two uh, kind of funds that we have or two things that we're, we're doing, and they're both for the people and for the city. So uh, one of them is Walter Harris uh, is an amazing guy who is part of our church. Uh, you could usually find him up here uh, playing guitar or drums. Uh, well, back in December, he had a very serious accident, and he has been uh, recovering since then. Walter, if you're watching, shout out to your boy. Ah, so uh, he is an, an amazing journey of healing, and we've been praying for him. And so uh, in the newsletter, it's just that little story, but also an invitation. If you feel led uh, to give to his family to help cover expenses, to help uh, just provide, uh, there's that opportunity in there. And then also in the newsletter is opportunities uh, and information if you want to help uh, the Afghan refugees, uh, some of them that have uh, settled here in Eau Claire. All right? Uh, let's pray uh, before we get into the message. Jesus, Jesus, I pray. I pray that as we walk through these doors with everything we have going on in our life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the struggle, I pray that we walk through these doors in your grace and mercy and that you transform our minds and our hearts week by week, day by day as we follow you. Jesus, we pray for all that's going on in our world right now. And and, and at times it feels like just straight madness is going on. But Jesus, you are God. You call us to be still and know that you are God when everything is falling apart, when there's political wars, when there are natural disasters, when there's things that are happening. You call us to be still and know that you are God. So Jesus, we sit, we be still, and we pray. We pray that you provide for the people fleeing Ukraine that are looking for homes, that are looking for just your basic provisions. We provide, we, we ask that you mobilize your church to help meet those needs. Jesus, we ask that you bring this war to an end. We ask that you change the minds and hearts of political leaders. And Jesus, we pray that if there are things that we can do to witness your kingdom here on earth, 
pray that you would lead us to those things. And Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, uh, we're trying uh, not to do kind of the Veggie Tales version of Jonah, right? If you've been at church for any amount of time, even if you haven't, you probably have an idea of what the book of Jonah is about. And, and last week, we started to kind of dismantle some of that, started to really lean into, and I want to continue to invite you to, it's only four chapters long, but go home and read the book of Jonah over and over and over again and let it sink into you. Continually asking, like, Jesus, what, what do you have for me in this book? <clears throat> what do you have for me in this story that is told? What do you have for me in these scriptures? Last week, I, I asked us a question in the beginning because the story of Jonah begins with Jonah not wanting to do what God is calling him to, right? Jonah, for a lot of reasons, God says, go to the Ninevites. And Jonah, for a lot of reasons, says, no, I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to try to get as far away as possible. I'm going to get on a boat, and I'm going to run away from this call, the complete opposite direction that God is calling him to. And you can listen last week, but there's all sorts of reasons on why Jonah may have made that decision, why Jonah might have been running. And I asked this question, I landed on this question at the end. Who do you have trouble with in this world? Like, more basic questions, who do you not like? Like, who do you not like because of political reasons? Who, who do you not like because of nationality reasons or religious reasons or socioeconomic status reasons? Who do you not like because there has been a hurt, there has been someone that has wronged you, there has been something that someone has done that has caused you to go, this person isn't safe, I don't like this person, they hurt me, so I am going to shut this person out of my life. Like this is the foundation for why Jonah ran away. And I think this is a foundation in our own hearts, right? I've had several people tell me, I don't want to go to church because this person's there. Right? Like, can we be honest? <laughs> I don't want to go to church because this person's there. I can't be in this group because this person's there. I don't like this person. I don't like that person. I don't want to go to family dinner because that person's there. We all have this in our lives. And the question is, what do we do with it? 
Because I don't think the gospel allows us to sit in that and stay there. No matter what the reasons are. That is a hard truth. And that is hard to deal with. And that statement right there takes a lot of unpacking to do. And I ended with the question, who is God calling you to? Who's Jesus calling you to? Who's Jesus calling you to forgive? Who's Jesus calling you to heal from? Who's Jesus calling you to pursue after? And I got to thinking after the sermon, well, what if somebody's sitting in the pews and going, ha, well, this is great because I don't think God is calling me to anybody. So I don't have to deal with all my junk. I don't have to deal with these issues of somebody I like or don't like for whatever reasons. I don't have to deal with it because I'm good sitting in my house, going to my job, going to the grocery store, doing the things that I do, I don't feel like God is calling me to anybody. So I'm good, right? And there's two problems with that. First, God is calling you to people. If you are following Jesus here today, Jesus has you on a mission, Love your neighbor. Go out into all the world. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them about Jesus. Open up your mouths. Open up your lives to show people who Jesus is. So no one gets a pass. And if you don't believe that, here's the next piece. Whatever is in your heart, will come out. If you want to open up to the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, I'm not going to go there, but if you want to look at those later and you don't believe me, of why we have to deal with these things. If there's bitterness, if there's anger, if there's unforgiveness, if there's bias, if there's hatred, if all these things in your heart are there, you have to deal with them or they will come out at some point in time. And this is the basis of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, 7. Jesus, through the whole thing, is going, it's not about this religious rule. It's not about this thing that you keep. It's about what is happening in your heart. That is what Jesus is after. You think it's about just not murdering someone? Jesus goes, no, 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 you got it wrong. Because if you think about someone in that way, if you hate them, it is the equivalent to actually doing it. You're lusting after someone or so. Well, gouge out your eyeball. Love your enemies. These are all deeper heart issues that Jesus is chasing after. It's not about just behaving the right way. It's not about just observing some some rule or a religious tradition. It is about our hearts in following Jesus. 
Because eventually, whatever's inside, if it's not transformed, healed by Jesus, will make its way out. So, back to Jonah. (laughs) We're going to read from chapter 2 on Jonah. And I want you to realize the context of this story. So Jonah, God calls him. Jonah says no, gets in a boat, takes off, goes the opposite direction, right? What happens once he's in the boat? Come on, church, let's go. Big storm happens, right? Waves are crashing in. Where is Jonah? Jonah is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. So there's all this interesting language in Jonah. This, I'm going down, I'm going to sleep, and I'm arising, I'm waking up. So note that as you read through Jonah. But Jonah is found in the bottom of the boat. There's sailors on the top side of the boat who are freaking out, trying not to die. They're throwing things overboard. They do not believe in God, so they are praying to whatever God they can imagine, whatever God they learned about when they were young, that each of them are probably probably praying to different gods, trying to find the one that will stop this storm from happening. And then they zero in on Jonah. Jonah, it's you, it's your God. Please do something to make this stop. Jonah, at a point where he could repent and goes, okay, I have an idea, throw me overboard. Just kill me, get it done with. You don't need me here. I'm the reason, kill me. Rather than going, oh, this is why I'm going to turn around and go do what God called me to do. He says, just end me, throw me over. And this is a profound, difficult part of the story, right? Sailors throw him over, throw him into the water. Notice what they do afterwards. They throw him over, the waves calm. They worship God. So there's this interesting relationship where Jonah is kind of the anti-hero in the story, like the example of what you don't want to do, how you don't want to respond to God, and then there's all these people who do not know God responding the way that you should respond. It's often like that through the scriptures, right? And so Jonah, what happens to Jonah? We all know that Jonah is swallowed by a fish. Some of us can't quite get our minds around that part of the story. And I just want to tell you, that is like one or two lines in this whole story. So if you can't get your mind around that, that's okay. That's all right. If you're sitting there going, was that a real fish? Was that a story fish? What, what is that? It's okay. Whatever conclusion you come to, it kind of doesn't really matter because the story is the point, right? So a big fish comes, swallows Jonah. Jonah is in the fish for how long? Three days, three nights. There's a reason why we're doing this story before Easter, right? So just think about that as we walk through this story. Three days, three nights, Jonah's in the fish. I don't know how you survive in a fish for three days again. That's not necessarily the most important part of the story. What happens when Jonah is in the fish? Jonah prays, right? Jonah hits 
rock bottom. I think for most of us, if you found yourself in a giant fish in the middle of the ocean, I think you would consider that rock bottom. I don't know what that looks like, but Jonah's hit rock bottom. It's his lowest point. He is in crisis. Jonah's sin in his life, Jonah running away from God, has spilled over into others' lives as collateral damage. Get that point. When we sin in life, when we run away from Jesus, it doesn't just stay with us. It often spills over into the life of others. So Jonah's sin is spilled all over the place, almost killed a bunch of sailors who were seemingly innocent, but that brought them to know God. So I don't know what to do with that. But Jonah is found in this crisis point, rock bottom, going to die. And this is the point. When Jonah cries out to God. And I want you to read this prayer through the set of glasses that is your own life. I think most of us have either been at rock bottom or been a part of someone else being at rock bottom. Some of you may be there right now. And I think it's important to note that when this happens in the scriptures, it usually begins with a cry out to Jesus. A cry for help. And in this story, when Jonah's actions has brought him to this point, we see the gospel. We see the gospel played out in this story. See, Jonah's at bottom. He's trapped. He's drowning, literally. He's in a season of hardship. And Jonah cries out in verse 1. From the inside of the fish, Jonah, uh, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Just, like, notice the wording of this prayer. Where is Jonah? Inside the fish. Yet he's praying, I call to the Lord, and here, even here, in my lowest point, when my actions brought me here, even here, God answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Why is Jonah here? Because of his sin, right? Who brought him to this place? There's an interesting question, isn't there? Like, I love Jonah because he brings up all this stuff. Who brought Jonah to this place? Himself. He's running from God. There's also an aspect 
Who made the fish swallow Jonah? God. So this story gets very nuanced and really tricky. Yet, it's something that I think we all have lived through or kind of understand in our life. Jonah runs away from God, asks the soldiers, just kill me, throw me overboard so that I can die. And somehow, uh, that one author, author put this as severe mercy. In this severe mercy, Jonah gets thrown overboard in the raging sea, is sinking to the bottom, and a fish comes and swallows him. Someone say this is not good news. Right? We see at the story that there's this mixture, there's this context, and there's this severe mercy that has been dealt, and there's a purpose for it. There is a reason for it. And it's this challenging idea, because Jonah's saying, talking to God, you hurled me. Into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, your waves and breakers swept over me. I have been banished from your sight. The first thing you got to realize is this language is language that is biblical language throughout the Old Testament. Uh, You can look in Psalm 124. This is all over the Psalms, but Psalm 124 says this, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When your anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us, the The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. This is biblical language of how they usually framed these types of scenarios. The waves are coming. I've been swallowed up. In this case, I've been swallowed up by death. And Jonah's crying out to God. And then God uses this circumstance in an attempt to bring Jonah back. What did it take to bring you back? What will it take to bring you back? See, I think it's interesting because we often think of our relationship with God as that God wants us to be happy, right? God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be healthy. God wants us to hopefully be wealthy. But as we read through the scriptures, this is not God's highest priority, contrary to what some people preach and what we want in our lives. This is not the highest priority for God. The highest priority for God is to call people to himself to mold and shape their hearts, to change and transform their character, to remind them and show them that they are made in the image of God. And now they have a mission to go out as image bearers to witness the kingdom of what God is building. It's all for his glory. 
It's not for your happiness. It also reminds me of some New Testament themes, right? Paul in the city of Philippi, he's sitting in prison. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. There's a very real chance tomorrow he could be executed. But Paul writes in the midst of that, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Think of things that are holy, are pure, of of Jesus. Think of those things. And then you have the book of James. James kicking off his letter. Hey, whenever there's a trial, whenever something goes wrong, consider it pure joy. Because we know from this angle, as we, as we follow Jesus, that Jesus is going to do all sorts of things in that trial to bring maturity, to bring perseverance, and most importantly, to transform and shape our hearts and bring us back to him. Like you're going to go through that trial and you're going to be able to look out on the other side and go, wow, look what Jesus did. Look how he showed up. Look how he transformed me. Look how he provided. Didn't feel good at the time. But man, I am joyful for what I went through. And this is Jonah crying out. In verse 6, he says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And so we see a shift, don't we? In Jonah's prayer. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. What was Jonah doing? Like what was this whole journey about? He had a different idol he was chasing after. Jesus wasn't on the throne of Jonah's heart. Jesus wasn't the center. So Jonah's realizing these things. This is at his lowest point. And then he says, but with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord Pause. Where is Jonah? Where is he still? In the fish. So, Jamie, isn't the grateful praise, isn't the thankfulness, isn't the heart turn supposed to be after? He gets spit out and is safe. Jonah hits the lowest point, realizes what's happening, realizes what he's done. I've been chasing after all these idols. I've put all these other things in front of Jesus. And I'm sorry. And I am remembering all the things that God has done in my life, all the ways he's provided, all the ways he's shown up. And I am grateful for God. I am praising God even while I'm in the fish. 
sometimes it's in our lowest points that we fully become aware of who God is, of who Jesus is. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Jonah charted his own course. He went his own way. So my question for us, again this morning, what's in your heart? Is Jesus at the center of your heart? What's in your heart? Is in your heart you seeking autonomy from Jesus? So you get to say, Jesus, I'm in control of my life. I get to do what I want to do. I want to be who I want to be. I want to say what I want to say. I want to treat people how I want to treat them. Not necessarily how I want them to treat me, but how I want to treat them. Where is their bitterness? Anger, unforgiveness, judging, or fear in your heart. And then the next question is, how are you going to work through it? How are you going to heal from it? How are you going to take those things to Jesus and let Jesus shape, let Jesus mold? The story of Jonah is interesting, right? Because you can either bring those things to Jesus and invite Jesus into your life, into your motives, into the places where you're broken, you're hurting, you're wounded, into the places where someone else has wounded you, into the places where someone else's sin has spilled over in your life and now you're trying to sort it out. And, and you can invite Jesus into those places and find healing and freedom. The bitterness can be healed. With the help of Jesus, you can forgive and set yourself free and someone else free. And that is exactly what we're called to as we follow Jesus. But we have a choice, right? You can either invite Jesus in or at some point he can send a big fish and teach you a lesson, right? 
Which will you choose? Let's pray. Now, Jesus, we come to you. And Jesus, I pray, I pray that it doesn't take the crisis. I pray that it doesn't take the bottom falling out in life for us as we follow you to run to you, to come to you, to invite you in, to let you sort around our hearts and our minds to see what is there that is not of you. Jesus, deal with our hearts. Deal with the times that we chase after other things that we put others in front of you as a priority. In your holy name we pray. Amen.